Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hour two of Sports Talk Saturday getting underway. And to help me do it is my buddy Mark Schofield, who it feels like it's been a while since I've talked to. And uh, I think maybe even since the last time that he's uh, moved around gigs a little bit. But uh, my man is now over at SB Nation doing his thing, uh, letting the people know, just giving all the people all of the uh, the insight that you could possibly want. Mark, thanks for joining me, buddy. Happy Saturday to you. Happy Saturday, Nate. It, it, has, it has been a while. I think it was during the regular season last time we chat, probably before the last Pat Bills game, which we don't have to talk about how that went. But we won't. It is great to be here, my friend. How are you? I'm well, man. Yeah, we we won't we won't rehash uh, history. It didn't it didn't quite end well for the Bills. So I, I you know I don't I don't want to maybe even go back and think about it. But um, one area that I you know I did want to bring you on and talk about is Damon Harris. Obviously, the Bills um, signed him last week, a one year, one point seven million dollar deal. Um, you know, I, I think he creates an interesting trio of skills at the running back position for the Bills now with James Cook and, and Naeem Hines. What exactly, I mean, outside of the, the few games that, you know, I think Bills fans had a front row seat to what Damon Harris is sort of capable of doing. He's a powerful runner. Um, he he kind of has that bully mentality as a runner, which I think this backfield, you know, sort of greatly needed as a as an offset to James Cook and Naeem Hines. But Outside of what maybe Bills fans have seen twice a year over the last couple of years, what are Bills? What are the Bills getting in in running back Damon Harris? Well, I mean, I think you sort of alluded to the, the strength of his game, which is that power as a running back. Certainly, adept at inside run game, gap power designs, and like you said, Bills fans got to see that up close two seasons ago. You know that that weird weather game where the Patriots just ran the ball, ran the ball over and over again. It was just basically G lead with Damian Harris. And you saw a lot of that in that game. And that, you know, is certainly a strength of his. But I think one of the underappreciated parts of his game is what he does in the pass game, most notably as, you know, a running back in pass protection. That was something that, you know, he was trusted to do at Alabama. I think it's a reason that the Patriots felt comfortable drafting him and playing him early, keeping him on the field in passing situations and third down situations because they trusted him, you know, with pass protection awareness, trusted him with blitz pickup, and so I think that's a part of his game that certainly we know that the Bills want to throw the ball. And we know that protecting Josh Allen is paramount. And he can help in that. And so I think, you know, the combination of skills that he has mm. certainly fits with a modern offense, fits with what the Bills want to do. And I think, as you said, it complements the group in that running back room really well. You've got versatile skill set. It gives them the opportunity to sort of, you know, pick matchups, play to strengths, attack weaknesses week to week. Very much how, you know, modern offenses structure their game. If a certain week you're going up against a defense that 
has weaknesses up front, struggles against gap power designs. Damon Harris might see more of a workload. And then other weeks that you go up against a defense that maybe is a little bit weaker and slower on the edges, you know, Cook and Hines, they might see more of the workload. So I think it gives the offense a lot of different options going forward. And I always like it, Nate, when an offense does that, gives themselves multiple answers to the questions that will be posed week in and week out. Yeah, I, listen, I mean, that's that's why I brought you on. The insight about pass pro, I, I think, is an important one because it is something that I know these Bills coaching staff values a lot because I think it's one of the reasons James Cook maybe wasn't put in a lot of situations that when he was drafted, people automatically assumed, oh, this guy's going to, you know, have 50 catches and he's going to be a, a pass, you know, he's going to be a threat in the pass game. And it never really materialized. In fact, I think he did more of his damage really as a runner, which was something that I think Brandon Bean alluded to during the draft process after be, after they draft James Cook, that like we kind of view him as more of a scat back, a guy that can be out of the backfield and really line up at wide receiver at times. But none of that really happened. And I, I think a lot of that, Mark, had to do with they worried about him in pass protection. And and I wonder if that's an area where if you're still a little worried about James Cook, you know, now you bring in a guy in Damon Harris that I think, you know, fits a complementary style of football and style stylistically anyways in the backfield, but also is a guy that maybe you can take James Cook out of some of the situations that maybe make him feel most uncomfortable in the NFL, which is in those pass pro looks. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, every decision you make as a coaching staff has repercussions has pluses and minuses to it. And, you know, if you're going to have, like you said, James Cook on the field, but you're not, you know, you're not completely confident in him in pass pro, you might give him a free release. You might keep him out of the protection, but that means you have to do something else. Maybe you have to keep the tight end in. Maybe you have to, you know, go quick game. Maybe you have to do something as a result of that lack of confidence. But when you bring in Damian Harris, perhaps you can go with some two back sets, have them both on the field. Then you force the defense, okay, how are you going to treat that? Are you going to treat it like 11? Are you going to treat it like 12 or 21? How are you going to treat that personnel package? What do you do in response? It force defenses to sort of declare what they're going to do, and then maybe you get a light box as a result, and you can run Harris on some of those gap power designs. Maybe they stay a little bit bigger. You can get Cook in a favorable matchup on the outside. And so I think it gives them that flexibility and that pass protection component to it frees up some more things that they can do up front and protection-wise as well. Mark, I, I want to ask you, too, um, when you consider that last year the Bills were a top-two team in terms of scoring and, and passing offense and, and kind of all the other metrics, and they obviously you know they didn't play a full game, so they only – Josh Allen finished his top five in most of the passing categories, him and Joe Burrow, and both of them you know played in one less game than everybody else. But – when you you know kind of look back at last season and the, in totality, from what you saw from first-year play caller Ken Dorsey, is there something that maybe stood out to you that maybe you were expect? And th- this is one area that maybe I'll, I'll tell you just you know with transparency is I, I imagine the offense was going to look more like it like the Brian Dable offense, and that especially as a first-year offensive coordinator, maybe you don't want to put too much of your own fingerprint and on something that that worked already. And and it felt like at times that Ken Dorsey kind of got lost in the sauce sometimes, and you know maybe kind of didn't went away from the basics and and understanding like what Brian Dable was really good at, which was a lot of window dressing and 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 getting other guys involved. And we saw maybe a drop in production from Dawson Knox. We saw a drop in production from Gabriel Davis. Um, what what was your overall assessment, kind of like when you looked back at last season, um, at at what kind of Ken Dorsey did in totality, rather than you know first half or second half, and then obviously in the playoffs. 
Right. And I think I would largely agree with that assessment. I mean, I'm very much of the mindset that, you know, window dressing, movement, pre-snap shifts in motion and things like that, like they've got to be a core part of what you do, both for information and for impact. I mean, you know, we used to say years ago that pre-snap motion and things like that gave the quarterback a ton of information, but defenses have done a really good job in today's NFL of counteracting that. I mean, you might see a receiver go in motion, defender trails him, you think it's man, but they're just spinning into zone and they're confusing the quarterback that way. But it's more for the impact, right? You know, you and I were both college quarterbacks. Anytime we can get those defensive guys thinking right at the snap, it gives right. us an advantage. And I think you've got to do a little bit more of that in today's NFL. And so I'd like to see them get back to some of that. You know, I, I think, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, go with what got you there. You know, go with what yeah. has worked in the past. And I think, you know, getting guys like Dawson Knox involved a little bit more, spreading the ball around a little bit more, you know, that's going to work to your advantage. And so I think going forward, those are things I'd like to see incorporated into this offense more. Mark Schofield of SB Nation joining me on the Western Hotline talking uh, some bills, and we're going to talk a little Patriots here in just a moment. And, you know, listen, I, I know it, 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 for you it was probably a, a long, long season of feeling like, you know, the Patriots were a bit of a punchline with Matt Patricia. And, and now they get Bill O'Brien back. And, and I do find it really interesting, especially, like, just from a, like a fantasy football perspective, thinking about where – Hunter Henry really taking a, a step back last year in that offense. And, you know, Mac Jones obviously taking a step back in that offense. And the one guy that didn't take a step back but really I thought was highlighted was Ramondre Stevenson, which is obviously why, you know, you now kind of have the luxury of, of letting Damon Harris walk is because I do think that this is an offense that wants to continue utilizing and growing the the role of Stevenson, who, you know, I think maybe because of a guy like Austin Eckler maybe didn't get the – the appreciation across the league as a pass catcher as he did. I mean, he had an unbelievable season all around as a runner and pass catcher. What do you believe his role looks like this season in Bill O'Brien's offense compared to what it looked like in Matt Patricia's? I mean, I, you know, I think he's going to take on more of that featured back kind of role. And I think coming out of college, you know, studying him, I remember my good buddy Matt Walden talking about for a back of his size. And, you know, you look at him, you study him, and you think immediately, oh, big power back between the tackles, really good footwork, really effective in the pass game. And Oklahoma dialed up some, you know, paw pass concepts and things like that for him where you could tell, okay, an NFL offensive coordinator is going to find a way to get him involved in the pass game. And that's one good thing that they've done with him over these past couple of seasons with him is get him involved in the pass game. And I think he's going to take on an even bigger role in the pass game as a featured back. And I think, look, when you – Look at Mac Jones last year. You know, it's easy to make the case that, that, that there was regression, that he took a step back. And there were a lot of reasons, and they've been well-documented as to why that probably happened. But one, one strength, perhaps the only strength, was the play-action passing game. You know, it, it was one of the few areas where Jones' numbers weren't near the bottom of the league. And, and so I think you're going to see perhaps an even greater emphasis on that and you can get Stevenson involved in the play-action passing game with screens and things like that. And so I, I think that's what they're going to probably do, lean into Stevenson as a feature back, lean into the play-action passing game because that's something that O'Brien has done before in the past, and try to see if they can get the best out of Mac Jones after what was a disappointing season. Yeah, and, you know, I'm I'm also kind of wondering, like, in, in your eyes, and, and I liked – 
Jacoby Myers a lot, and I was a little surprised that it, it felt like they maybe didn't make the play for him as maybe as maybe hard as I thought that they would because I I, I really kind of thought he was probably the best receiver in this free agent class, and they decide to go with Juju Smith-Schuster, and you could kind of talk about maybe one guy in, one guy out, maybe what the differences are there, but is there another player in this offense now that Bill O'Brien's there, knowing what you know from the last time he was the offensive coordinator, like that maybe you can expect to see a, a, a bigger role this year in this offense that maybe we didn't see last year? I mean, I, I honestly think that the player that also might play a big role for this offense now is Mike Jacecki, who obviously wasn't there last year and was another addition. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the additions of Juju, the addition of Mike Jacecki are going to give them some matchup opportunities out of the slot because I, I think the two of them are in some ways replacements for Jacoby Myers because Jacecki very much that sort of move tight end. And I think Juju Smith-Schuster, we know what he does. And so I think... I was also, like you, surprised because Jacoby Myers was perhaps the best free agent wide receiver available. And if you think that, look, the, the plan and the, the goal for the season is to get the best out of Mac Jones, well, Jacoby Myers was perhaps a security blanket. Like third and seven, that's where Mac Jones's eyes were going for the most part. And, you know, to see him leave, now you're going to have to sort of replace that. That's going to be a tough thing to do. I think Juju and Jacecki are going to have a role there. But I think they're not done making additions. It wouldn't surprise me, and this is going to make Patriots fans a little bit wary, it wouldn't surprise me to see a wide receiver early in this draft. Now, you know, their record of added wide receivers, at least early in the draft, is mixed at best. But I think they've got to figure out one more addition to that wide receiver room to see if they can get the best out of Matt Jones. Mark Schofield of SB Nation on with me talking Patriots. And, um, you know, Mark, I, I also maybe want to look at this defense and I'm kind of I kind of wonder where you are with them because, you know, they tried to maybe buck the trend of them being an aging defense last year, bringing in drafting some guys They use a lot of safeties. Um, where are you with this defense in where it is, where it's going and maybe what they should look to do to address what positions maybe they should look to address in the draft, knowing that they're in an AFC East right now that might feature, you know, to uh, Josh Allen and, and, and now maybe Aaron Rodgers. Right, and I, I think, you know, one thing that they certainly have going for them is the depth of the cornerback class in, in this upcoming draft class. I mean, Mel Kuyper Jr. recently said something like 35 players that he's looked at will probably be NFL starters at the, at the cornerback wow. position. It's a very, very deep cornerback group. You might see, you know, mock drafts are what they are. You know, we only know so much on the outside. But you're seeing six, maybe seven corners go off the board in the first round right now in mock drafts. You probably get a whole bunch that will come off early on night two of the draft. And so I think they're probably going to add a corner. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them maybe go early at corners, early as 14. Now, they haven't typically done that. They've usually waited at the cornerback position day two, you know, maybe early day two. But it wouldn't surprise me, given the talent at corner, that – somebody they really like is staring them in the face at 14. So I think corner will be a position they'll probably add at safety. You know, obviously with the Devin McCorder retirement, you know, you might see an addition at safety with an eye towards, you know, get in that middle of the field, center field or post safety type. Not that they're going to, you know, be exclusively a single high team. They're going to mix and match like they've done in the past, but we know Bill Belichick and his, you know, penchant for running single high coverage, cover one, you know, he's going to want to have that type of player. Is there that player in the draft? And, you know, it's it's not the strongest, it's not the deepest safety class, but anytime you have an Alabama defender like Brian Branch, 
you know, the yeah. other state and Belichick relationship. So, you know, sort of a move like that wouldn't surprise me. And then they're probably going to add it up front, you know, uh, try to add a pass rusher edge is a bit of a, an interesting class, but again, uh, an addition there, somebody to give you some consistency across from Matthew Judon. They've got some nice play from Dietrich Wise and others, but another addition up front will probably be a smart move for them. So I think, you know, corner safety edge are probably areas they're going to address this draft cycle. You know, you mentioned Mike Gusecki, and I, I kind of maybe forgot that he got he was signed um, in New England. And for everything that I think Gusecki was right up until Mike McDaniels got to Miami, it, it was very clear that he just was not a structural fit uh, stylistically in that Mike McDaniels um, scheme. What makes him a better fit in the scheme for with with Bill O'Brien? And and you know, obviously the 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 tight end. Was it three years ago now? The four years ago when they they go out and they they signed two tight ends to top of market money and it obviously did not work out. But what maybe gives you some some hope about what this offense might look like when maybe you know Gasecki and Hunter Henry are on the field at the same time? Because Hunter Henry's making a lot of money too, and he's always sort of felt like a guy that could be a number one tight end. But when you go out and get a guy like Gasecki, I mean, you're you're thinking that's probably going to pull some targets away. I mean, it probably is. I mean, I think you're going to see this offense sort of lean into the idea that Henry's your inline guy, that just like he's basically a big slot. I don't even know if, you know, you can call him a move tight end. I think he's more of a big slot wide receiver, and I think that's how they're going to use him. I think they're going to try to, you know, get to what we expected them to do when they went out and got John Smith and Hunter Henry in that same free agency cycle is, you know, lean into two tight end packages, but force the defense to you know, make some tough decisions. They didn't quite piece that together as well as Patriots fans, myself included, would have liked. And so I think you're going to see them try to do that with two players that I think don't exactly have the overlap in skill sets that we saw with Smith and Henry. And so you're going to see Giuseppe used as he was prior to Mike McDaniel and even with Mike McDaniel, almost exclusively out of the slot, try to get us with favorable matchups. You're probably not going to see him aligned in line anytime soon and hope that you can sort of create those favorable situations for those two players that you were unable to do so for whatever reason with Smith and Henry. Mark Schofield here of SB Nation. Got a couple more things for him before I let him go on his Saturday, which hopefully is a little less uh, dreary as it is here in Western New York. It's uh you know, we're, we're kind of approaching, Mark, that time of the year where it rains all the time and things start to get greener. But this is like that awkward moment, the, the sort of awkward moment in time of every year where, uh, you know, people here in Western New York are just so sick of being inside. We're ready to get outside. Um, I, like draft time sort of represents like kind of the, 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 bl- the blossoming of flowers everywhere. And um, I'm wondering as we get closer and closer to draft season and, and as free agency starts to wind down, um, who would in your mind maybe – in the AFC, and maybe let's focus on the AFC East, did the most for themselves to maybe push themselves closer to the top of the AFC. And, and then I, I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers because I know that's not done yet, but maybe that'll be your answer. But I'm wondering, is you know, is it Miami with getting Jalen Ramsey for what they did? Or like who in your estimation in the AFC East maybe narrowed the gap between them and the Bills the most? I mean, I think it's an incomplete answer at the moment. As, it sit, as we sit here on you know, Saturday, March 25th, it's the Dolphins perhaps by default. I do like the addition of Jalen Ramsey. You know, obviously, you know, you see what he was able to do under Brandon Staley, who was obviously a Vic Fangio disciple. 
um, basically helped Staley become an NFL head coach um, with you know, what they did on the defensive side of the ball. And certainly having Aaron Donald doesn't help. I mean, doesn't hurt um, in that quest to become a new head coach as a defensive coordinator. So I think the Ramsey addition is nice. But certainly if the Jets go out and finally piece together this Aaron Rodgers trade, which we all are sort of waiting for, every media outlet has the draft piece written, ready to hit publish once it gets done, um, the Jets will be the answer to that question. Hmm. Because that's a team that young, talented, you know, defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner, offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson, could have had offensive rookie of the year in Brees Hall if he didn't go down. You know, a team that just basically needed competent quarterback play, and they're probably in the playoffs. You add Aaron Rodgers to that, that makes them a, a, a team that certainly closed the gap to the Buffalo Bills at the top of the AFC East. Now, is there a, a world in which the Aaron Rodgers trade goes down and it goes south for the New York Jets? I mean, absolutely. I mean, things can happen. We've seen moves like this not exactly pan out the way people have hoped. One reason in particular is, look, Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, is a passer that relies heavily on chemistry with receivers. That's what made the connection between him and Devontae Adams so special. That's why people expected them to struggle out of the gate last year, and they did because he had younger receivers like Christian Watson to throw to, and it takes time to develop that. That's perhaps the reason why they're going out and getting guys like Alan Lazard, so you have some mm. of that chemistry. But it takes time, and the problem is when you take a step back and look at the you know AFC at large – Two and two, three and three out of the gate. It might be too late by the time that chemistry sort of clicks. And so, yeah, there's a world where it doesn't quite work for them. But on paper, at least, when that deal gets done, as we expect, they're going to be a pretty good team. So let me ask you this as your as the last question. The Bills end up getting DeAndre Hopkins. What does, in your estimation, that do to the ceiling of this offense? And where does that maybe... How how does that change the conversation about what the other teams did to get closer to the Bills and 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 maybe how does that how does that maybe change your thought process on on how the, everyone else will compete? Well, look, I'm a massive fan of DeAndre Hopkins, and you know I have been for years now. And part of what he does is I used earlier the phrase that security blanket, right? You know, DeAndre Hopkins can still get separation. I was watching him last week as these you know, potential trade talks. Start started to spin up again, and you're still seeing him getting decent separation on routes, comebacks, outs, and things like that. But what he can do at the catch point, it, it's so helpful for a quarterback when you have in the back of your mind, I was just talking about chemistry, well, an offshoot of that is trust. You know, as a quarterback, and you know this, when you believe in your mind that, okay, it's third and seven, you know, this receiver here is running that comeback route, he's going to be at the sticks, even if there's tight coverage, I know if I put it close, he's going to come down with it. That's huge for a quarterback. And so I think he brings that element to any offense, regardless of where he ends up, but certainly to Buffalo with a quarterback like Josh Allen, who has velocity, can put the ball where he wants to. It's going to be beneficial. And then you start to think as a defensive coordinator, you're facing a, you know, a Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins mm. type of offense. Like where are you spinning? Where are you rotating coverage in that, you know, third and seven situation? Are you double and one? Are you double and both? If you're double and both, who's going to get that? one-on-one that you could then take advantage of. And we talked about Dawson Ox earlier. Perhaps there's the window to the production there. Or even a, a James Cook suddenly he's aligned and matched up one-on-one against the linebacker. You start to see how the acquisition of Hopkins can create for Ken Dorsey some opportunities to get other guys involved, which is how we began this conversation. And so 
I think it would be a fantastic move for Buffalo as a Patriots fan. It would scare me to death. And perhaps that's the biggest way to sort of, you know, put this together as a Patriots fan. If he ends up in Buffalo, Hopkins does scares me to death. Um, I've got John Ellis coming on at one o'clock and uh, before I have him on, I want to know who you think Carolina should take number one. Take CJ Stroud and thrive. I mean, I really like Stroud and young. They're both great, but you know what I was in the building the Saturday for the quarterback workout, you know, Anthony Richardson's obviously a fantastic athlete and talent, but there's a musical rhythmic nature to Stroud. It's just, it's teaching tape. The ball placement is, you know, it's where it needs to be all the time. And I, I just, I think, you know, we don't know yet what that offense is going to look like. There are a lot of, you know, smart offensive minds in the building. They're going to piece together an offense that's tailored to the quarterback they drafted one. So if it's John or Stroud, I think they're going to put an offense around that quarterback and in place for that quarterback that's going to be good for them. But I just really like Stroud a lot. So my vote would be Stroud. You know, Young would work too. And the other thing with this, with what Carolina's done, whoever they draft at one is going to be in a position to be successful because of the talent, the coaching talent, the wisdom, the experience they've put around the quarterback position. So even if it's Levis, for example, mm. I still think it could work. I would say Stroud, but I think they've put the, whoever they draft is going to be in a position to be successful. Mark, I appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. Great to t- chat and talk with you again, my friend. Always appreciate the insight. We'll, we'll do this again soon, and uh, enjoy the spring, my friend. You too, my friend. Always a blast. Have a great weekend. All right, buddy. Mark Schofield there of SB Nation on the Western Holiday. Going to take a timeout, and uh, on the other side, we're going to get to Connor Rogers of NBC. We'll talk about the Jets since uh, we were just chit-chatting about Aaron Rodgers. We'll get his thoughts. That's coming up next year on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a timeout again here, get another break in so that uh, I've got... 
10 solid uninterrupted minutes with my buddy Connor Rogers of NBC. So don't go anywhere. Also, if you missed any of Mark Schofield, he was great. On Demand Audio will have that up for you shortly. Talked a little bit about the strengths of Damon Harris, especially early in that that interview. You'll want to hear that one. And then Matt Perino also from the 11 o'clock hour. Both of those will be available up at WGR. 550.com. So time out. Other side, Connor Rogers joins us next. Our third guest of the day. Don't go anywhere here on WGR. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, we are continuing on our AFC East tour, I guess we'll call it. We just spoke with Mark Schofield. We're going to head to the Wester Hotline one more time. Well, actually, two more times today, but one more time to hear from my good pal, Connor Rogers. Connor, good Oh, well, I was going to say good morning, but good afternoon to you, my friend. It's been a long time. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Nate. Always great to talk to you, man. How are you? I'm well, man. I can't complain. Uh, you know, the we're on Hopkins watch over here in Buffalo, uh, which is an exciting time. And uh, I know you're on Rogers watch. So it's like we're kind of both sitting in these weird places where, you know, I think we'd like some other things other than the watch to be talked about because I'd like to start talking about, you know, what it looks like with Rogers in that offense. I'm sure that's what you want to talk about and then talk about what it's going to be like for Hopkins to be in this offense rather than what the trade compensation is going to be for these guys. I'm with you. The arms race continues, right? We saw Miami kind of come hot out of the gate. They got Jalen Ramsey. It really goes back to them giving Vic Fangio the bag to come there and call their defense. Uh, We'll see what New England does, how aggressive they get. They did spend some money in free agency, but after Miami, the Jets and the Bills are obviously the teams just pushing every last chip into the middle of the table that they can. And it's going to be fun because when you look at the Bills, especially these two teams' matchups last year, The Jets' problem, of course, was the quarterback play, and the Bills' problem was probably getting a little bit more out of a number two target. Not that Gabe Davis is a bad player, but, hey, when Sauce Gardner lines up against Stephon Diggs and they battle, is there another guy on the field that could be that dominant threat? And if you threw Hopkins into the middle of that, I mean, that's going to be some Clash of the Titans kind of stuff that would make a powerful Bills' offense even better. So we say this, it feels like we've said this a lot over the years, but I guess with the Jets in the fray a little bit more, if they close the deal on Rodgers, it feels like the AFC East is the division to watch in football this year. No doubt. And, you know, listen, I've been kind of back and forth this whole time on, on Rodgers. And, you know, I think part of it is, and, and Jeremy, my, the morning show host I was on this week with, and, you know, I think he made a good point about, like, sometimes when you're a fan of another team, you kind of look at teams, especially teams within your division, and you say, 
well, Roger, Rogers, why the heck would you want to do Rogers? Rogers at this point is 39 years old. Maybe you're getting one, maybe two years from him in this window. And, and then I try to think back to like where the Bills were when they were kind of in their playoff drought. And I think if you felt like you had a team that was close and was really a quarterback away, I guess it really doesn't matter how long you get that quarterback for. Because if you win a Super Bowl, it's like the same conversation that's going on with, with Rams fans. People across the league are like, oh my God, look at the Rams just dismantling a Super Bowl roster. I bet you they really regret all those trades and drafting all those draft capitals. Like, no, I don't think that they're regretting winning a Super Bowl, but it's also not a given. Like, the Bills can go and trade for DeAndre Hopkins. doesn't mean they'll win a Super Bowl. It certainly gives them a better opportunity to. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. But it feels like if you don't take that swing, Connor, that you're just going to find yourself in the same position. And let's be honest, I mean, if it's musical chairs, you guys – kind of waited out the, this quarterback process for one guy, um, and there's not a lot of other names, really, that the, that the Jets could go after to fix the problem they've got at the quarterback position. This is, this is Rodgers or bust, right? Yeah, it really is, and you're right. It's not ideal in a scenario that you're probably operating in a one-year window, maybe a two-year window if everything goes great here and Rodgers really wants to play and he's rejuvenated, uh, but you're not operating with the mindset that that's a given, but on the flip side, you, you know, you'd love to have the luxury of, of the Bill situation where you have Josh Allen and you're trying to fit the pieces around him. That's how the Chiefs are going to operate with Mahomes and the Bengals, and maybe to a lesser extent. They'll operate that way with Burrow. We just haven't seen the Bengals operate as an ultra-aggressive franchise uh, you know, yet. And with Burrow there, you hope that they do. But that's the place you want to be. But the reality is it's just it's so hard to get there. And for the Jets, you look at the AFC. In my opinion, you have two choices if you're in the AFC. You either are going to continue your rebuild and retool, and that's not an option for the Jets anymore. If they continue that next year, everybody's fired. And then the second thing is, well, if you're going to compete, look around you. You're dealing with Mahomes. You're dealing with Allen in your own division. You're dealing with Burrow. Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence should only get better. That's what I keep telling people. It's not like the Jaguars and the Chargers are going to be stagnant. Those teams are going to get better. So you got to go to – what should be what gives you the most success or projects to give you the most success. And I know a lot of people look at, well, why wouldn't you get a former MVP that's 26 years old in Lamar Jackson and listen, sign me up. But I just think word is out, especially you look at Joe Douglas's relationship with Baltimore. I think everybody knows if you put all your chips in on that, the Ravens are going to match that offer. So there's a lot of risk there as well. So it's left the Jets in a uh, less than ideal spot. But if you get Aaron Rodgers, you could do much, much worse than that. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, listen, I, I, I don't want to even have the conversation with you because I'm so tired about this conversation about leverage. Who has more of it? Who cares? Um, both teams have a level of, of, of leverage. Who, who has more, I guess, is really kind of irrelevant. But, you know, I, I do think that I, I, this common narrative I keep seeing is, well, the leverage really is in the Jets' hands because they could just go negotiate with Lamar Jackson whenever they want. And I'm like, okay, well, then they should do that, but they're not going to. No team is going to, at least it appears. What do you make? of this Lamar Jackson situation and are you at all surprised that there hasn't been more of a at least and listen I I would say that a lot of the reporting that I've seen is that Woody you know Woody Johnson's kind of really behind wanting to get Rodgers that's his guy whether or not that's Joe Douglas's guy all in or not I guess is kind of a moot point when the owner wants a guy you go get the guy but are you at all surprised that there isn't more of a maybe conversation being had internally there in New York that even if just for leverage purposes, that maybe we should at least have a conversation with Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think the issue is they met with Rodgers, and Rodgers seems to be all in on playing for the Jets. And once the Jets got 
that green light from him that he's there. He wants to be there. He wants to be very involved in the team building process to maximize what they do there. The Jets don't want to, in a sense, do him dirty, I guess, and look elsewhere and, and break that bridge of trust. But Lamar Jackson league-wide, it, it's just completely puzzling and kind of has a dirty feel to it. If you really draw back the Deshaun Watson pursuit a year ago where you had, what, four teams. We knew the basically it felt like much of the NFC South, understandably, was in on him, and the Browns end up getting him on that guaranteed contract. Well, fast forward, okay, if the Panthers love their staff, which I really do, and they want to go up to number one and draft a quarterback, that's fine. They've failed with other veterans. That's okay. Atlanta, you're telling me Atlanta's not in on Lamar Jackson? You're telling me that wouldn't galvanize that Atlanta fan base and you're going to roll out Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke and you're what of Arthur Smith's tenure? I mean, come on. Like, I just I, there's There are homes for Lamar Jackson that – Somebody should be re- getting ready to bag and, and at least try it. What do you, if you're Atlanta at this point, like, what does it hurt to try, right? Who are you stuck to, guaranteed to, that you can't move on from if you somehow got Lamar Jackson? And if the Ravens match the offer, who cares? Are you hurting Desmond Ritter's feelings? Are you hurting Taylor Heineken's yeah, feelings? Like, I, it, for the Jets, it's a little different because Rodgers is such a mercurial kind of personality yep, that right. you want to be all in with him and you got him to be all in with you. So I understand the risk in that, but – the Lamar Jackson scenario from a bird's eye view is very, very puzzling. It's puzzling and it's, it's you know, kind of borders troublesome because what it sort of feels yeah. like is who, and, and I made this a good question for you, is like who do you kind of feel dirtier about? Do you feel like the league itself or, or do you feel like the Ravens uh, kind of have a, a weird, I don't know, like place in this whole thing too because they placed this, you know, this tag on, on 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 Lamar that is not often used. It's certainly not often used on quarterbacks. And knowing that they were going to do it and that no team was really going to step up to the plate and force their hand, I, I, don't, I guess I don't know who to feel weirder about, the Ravens or the rest of the league. It's a little bit of both, as everything is, right? I think to put it in perspective, because you make a great point bringing up the level of tag they put on him, if the Giants didn't reach a deal with Daniel Jones, that was the tag Daniel Jones was getting. And, and sure, Daniel Jones had a nice year, large part thanks to Brian Dable, and, you know, good for him and all of those things. It's a different tier that Lamar Jackson right. is on. So I guess for the Ravens, the way I try to look at it from a team-building perspective, and I don't know what to believe, which offers are true, but apparently they've tried really hard. They've had good guarantees. They've had top, what, three to five guarantees. If you believe the offers, they're just working with the leverage that's been given to them. The rest of the league, my problem is if there's an opportunity to get significantly better at the most important position in all of football and you're just not even turning over that stone, it's very strange to me and I think a worse look there because the Ravens are looking around saying, okay, well, you know, your market dictates what you are and this is your market right now, so we're not going to overplay our hand. As bad as that is, as bad as that appears, but the rest of the teams – allowing them to be able to operate that way to me is the bigger issue at hand because it's pretty obvious their comfort level of using that non-exclusive tag. They had this information in their hands before placing that tag on him. Yeah. And you know, it's the conversation around Lamar, like amongst his peers and then amongst the media too, has also been as like a, a weird thing to me. I think every player agrees. Like, Lamar Jackson's a former MVP. He's a top five quarterback in football. His the record of the Ravens when he plays versus when he doesn't. All of this sort of just speaks to how valuable of a player. And he's 26, 27 years old. Like I, I just I sit in this place, Connor, 
with him in particular, like, I mean, obviously the, the conversation around some of these other teams, you, you're spot on about Atlanta. Like, that's the team that has always made sense to me. And for them to just basically be the first one to say, eh, I'm out, is weird. But, like, that's also what I guess I don't understand from the Ravens' perspective here, Connor. Because if today you decided you want to trade Lamar Jackson, you're getting more of the two first-round picks. And you're not – you probably could go to a team that's got two first-round picks this year or something, right? Like and, – and get a lot more draft capital and maybe a player involved in that. Instead, they're taking the risk of basically getting two first-round picks in the next two years to let him walk out the door. And you have obviously the right of first refusal. You can decide to match or not that contract. But I don't know. It just – you're right about, like, yeah, that makes sense for Daniel Jones. It just doesn't make sense for Lamar Jackson. And I guess that's why I'm so confused the team hasn't tried to take advantage of it. Right. The only thing I can think of is there is a structural problem here, right, that when you do that offer, I believe it's a five-day window. And a, a lot of te- if that five-day window didn't exist. Say it was a 24-hour window. A lot of teams could have came out in the opening of free agency, which is Wednesday for the Lamar Jackson. It's another structural problem. It's not the legal tampering period. It's the actual 4 p.m. opening on that Wednesday, two full days later, when free agency opens, that you could talk to him. So say it was a 24-hour period, not a five-day period. You make the offer. Baltimore matches. You're not, you know, completely SOL, right? There's other quarterback options on the table. Like, for example, and it's just funny to keep bringing up this name, but it is the world we live in. Atlanta could have came out of the gate, did that. They don't get him. And then they go, okay, well, we really like Taylor Heineke, and he's still there. So we'll go get that done. A lot of teams operated in the sense of, and I don't agree with this, but I'm trying to explain the structural problem of, well, it's a five-day window. We don't get him on the fifth day. The free agent market's gone. That's day seven of free agency, five full days after the official opening, seven full days after the legal tampering period. So the way the league wrote the structure of how this whole non-exclusive negotiating window uh, operates is a complete disaster for a player that has that tag placed on them. Connor, I, I want to go back to to the AFC East and let's talk about the the Dolphins for a second. And you know, I'm, I'm really interested in your take because obviously Tua ends the season on the injury, you know, on the shelf and doesn't play in the playoffs against the Bills. And you know, what else is new? That's kind of been his his mo is when he's played, he's played well, um, but. You know, that's the problem is he doesn't play enough. And I'm wondering, though, and I had this conversation with Jeremy yesterday, and, like, I I think about that three-week stretch last year. I think it was... Um and and I dropped quite the name on him on a on a Friday morning at like six forty five a.m. I was like the Chargers rolled out Alohi Gilman and held them to one touchdown in that game and then then you you saw the Packers they they really um seemed like they figured out and used the blueprint that we saw um the Chargers use and then the Forty ers and then um and then the Packers and then the Bills kind of went a different route and and he got kind of got back on track in that Bills game towards the end of last season but do you think that like there's a little bit of a script now, a blueprint out for Tua on how to slow that passing offense down. And if there is, maybe you know, investing more on that defensive side of the ball really might come in handy for them because I don't know that I believe that offense is going to replicate what we saw the first like four weeks and then when Tua came back. I think we're going to see more of what we saw towards the end of last season where that offense sputtered and they still they didn't make any changes on the offensive line to be able to run the football, Connor. So that, that last point you just made is, is the dart on the bullseye for me, that we get so enamored, right? And this, is, this conversation has nothing to do with the defensive side of the ball, which Miami did a marvelous job of this offseason. They're going to be a very, very uh, capable and much improved unit. But the offensive side, which is in this era, it feels like wins the championships or gets you far, wins the divisions. 
They just kind of feel like a Ferrari without a garage right now. They have all these incredible weapons in the offense. They have incredible speed at both running back and wide receiver. Tua, when he plays, can function in Mike McDaniel's offense, which is incredibly well-structured. But the name of the game, uh, and you ask, you know, can they replicate it? Can you slow him down? Is getting pressure and hitting him. That's what it is. And the offensive line is not any better than last year. Sure, two years, you know, a year ago, they signed Teron Armstead, who's a great player when he plays. He's always battling something. And that's their best player on the offensive line. The interior and the right side still has a lot of different holes. So are we thinking that two is not going to be hit as much this year? Or do we think two is going to be able to play a full season? I can't confidently say that. And I thought they would be a little bit more aggressive in the backup quarterback market. And listen, we all love Mike White. Here. Sure. There's no denying that. But what is Mike White this year? He never plays. He's always hurt. He, he gets hit. He, and to a fault, he hangs in the pocket, makes tough throws, but he gets hurt. It's just the nature of it. So are the Dolphins at some point this year going to be back to square one where, sure, they got great play out of Tua for a stretch. They got really good backup quarterback play from Mike White. But you end up with Skylar Thompson. very comfortable and confident <laughs> yeah. in it. Are you back to Skylar Thompson? Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't feel like they're that far away from that. And that's why it's hard for me, as talented as they are, as well coached as they are, as talented as they are, to fully believe in Miami for that, you know, let's call it in 19-week season when you look at the playoffs and yeah. everything of that nature. It's very, very difficult. Well, listen, man, I hope the next time you and I chat, the Bills got DeAndre Hopkins and the Jets have Aaron Rodgers because it'll give us uh, – we, we'll, we'll talk more scheme. We'll talk more how that looks on the other side. But I appreciate you taking time with me, man. It was good to talk to you again. Enjoy the spring, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be watching you uh, on NBC with, with your boy Matthew Barry. It's got to be tough if you're Barry, you know, because, you know, as, as a bald man <laughs> on TV having to sit next to you with the hair, it's, it's got to be tough for him. Uh, we have such a good time with I it, know. man, and he's such a good sport about it. I, gu- I guess when you're as famous and successful as him, you kind of just stop caring Yeah, that's probably uh, right. about who's sitting next to you. And that's that sense, right. I totally respect that move from him. But, Nate, it's always a blast talking to you, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate you, buddy. Talk soon. Connor Rogers there of NBC Sports on the West Her Hotline. You can check him out. Um, he's on the NBC Sports Happy Hour with Matthew Barry, um, which you should obviously, the fantasy football happy hour. Um, he's great. A lot of NFL draft stuff. You can follow him on Twitter, Connor J. Rogers. He's been on the been on the show, been on the station a whole bunch. Uh, we're we're big Connor Rogers fans here in Western New York. Timeout. Other side, John Ellis joins the program. One Panthers place on Twitter. We're going to talk Carolina Panthers football. That's coming up next year on WGR. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.